Welcome, and thanks again for tuning in to the second episode of the Listen, Learn, Love podcast. I'm Haram Gill, the host of this podcast, and here with me are our members, Caitlin Walsh, Meredith Baskerville, and Hammond Gill. God has been so very good to us, and despite having challenges here and there, he's provided for us, and we are able to progress smoothly, hence why we have an episode two. Last week was our official launch for this crazy project, and since then, we've launched a... Facebook and Instagram page. (laughs) So for the Facebook page, you can either type in Listen, Learn, Love podcast and you'll see our very teal logo. Is it teal or is it turquoise? Say teal. Either that or in the link above, you can type in slash LLL podcast. And for Instagram, it'll be triple underscore L underscore podcast. The triple is spelled out triple. So be sure to check them out. Yeah, we definitely want you guys to not only follow us on our journey through these episodes, but also join us and interact with us. Uh, Wherever you follow us on social media, feel free to comment, like, and suggest things as we go. We're far from perfect, and we just want to spread the love of Christ through it all, and we wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. With that being said, how's everybody been? Okay. Pretty good. Great. (laughs) You know, since you guys are all in college, uh, college people... I'm sure that you guys are, you know, it's starting to speed up and getting to that, what is it, the midterm stage or something? Like the No, my semester just started. Oh. Yes. I think Ham is on trimesters, right? So you're nearing. Yeah. um, But yeah, exams are very diverse here. So like, uh, since I'm a neuroscience major, well, I'm taking organic chemistry for grad school. Or go. But yeah, it's it's very difficult. But yeah, we have exams every three weeks. And each one is chock full, chock full of information that I just don't understand how they would expect us to understand. So the averages oh, are around like 50s and 60s easily. Whoa. So there, there's a heavy curve. Nice. So as long as I get a 60, I might uh, get a have a chance at an A. So but yeah, I have a midterm tomorrow. Uh, I've been studying a lot for it. So whatever I get is whatever I get. Well, grace and peace to you in the Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, grace and peace to you during these turbulent times of testing. Well said. So everyone's doing good, and it's good that everyone is intact after the rough weeks that we have. And of course, Jesus guides us, but uh, so we're ready to go for this episode. So let's do it. Cool. So normally, every week we will have a guest speaker that will help to enlighten and enrich in our conversations. Unfortunately, for the next couple of episodes, we decided to delay the guest appearances until next month as we work out some obstacles. Until then, just be diving into our topic by ourselves, and we hope that you will still enjoy it. Yeah, any guests that we have on this podcast will present something new to our table so that all of us will be able to get something great out of it. We're all just here for the ride. Just like last week, after the weekly guest is introduced, it is time for our oath. Every week we'll be reciting a short oath that promises to be faithful and humble to each other. So just as a safe way to show all of you that we do love one another and that no matter the differences, we'll all be sisters and brothers in Christ in the end. So without further ado, here it is. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I will use my all to glorify his name. All that I will speak will not be through my flesh, but through the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. Knowing that I'm not perfect, I will open my eyes and ears and listen to the words of my neighbor, and I will love each and every one of the members here today, just as Christ loves me. Does everybody agree? (laughs) Yes, I agree. All right. Now that the oath is done, let's talk about our weekly topic. So, Caitlin, what is the topic of this week? Yes, Haram. The topic of this week is what kind of friend should we be as Christians? Alrighty, piggybacking off of what the Bible means in our lives from last week's topic, we felt like it was the right thing to touch on the topic of relationships. So as everyone knows, the world is full of very different people. So how should we approach our relationships with them? Yeah, it seems like a pretty easy topic to talk about at first, but at the heart of it lies some pretty difficult concepts and details. After all, our relationship with friends in general can be pretty complicated. You can say that again. (laughs) Uh, With that being said, what kind of friends should we be as Christians? So to start off, we'll have our very own Meredith Baskerville start off this week's forum. Take it away. 
All right. So like Hammond said, this is a seems like quite a, a simple answer to this, but it's actually quite in-depth. There is so many, so many verses in the Bible about love, how we as Christians are instructed to love thy neighbor and love thy enemies. But what I kind of want to dive into is what does that mean? What does it mean to love your neighbors and what does it mean to love your enemies? Um, and how are we supposed to treat brothers and sisters in Christ? And how is that supposed to look when you're treating your neighbors who might not agree with you? And so these are some of the main questions that I was led to when I started thinking about this topic. And so starting off, I wanted to go into some different forms of the word love in the Greek language. At the church that I went to for a long time, this was something that they repeatedly brought up. Have you, have you taken like lessons in Greek? Like, do you, do you know? No, okay. <laughs> no I do not know oh. much Greek. <laughs> that, ah, is a, okay. that is a good question. Be, that but would be very impressive. <laughs> I wish. I wish. No, I but... mean, you did pull out a Greek word from last week. Something, I don't know, like PH something, something, something. Oh. <laughs> <That's very laughs> Anyways. <descriptive>, but... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just thought I'd encourage you. Well, I have six more, and they are. Eros, which is supposed to be physical love and affection. Philia is a love between friends. Agape, which is love for everyone, which also can be referenced as charity. Uh, Storge, which is like a parental love, an affectionate love, like a parent to a child. Um, Philousia, which is a self-love. And Xenia, which is a sort of hospitality love that um, you would show to strangers entering your home, sort of like politeness. I think these are important to outline because it gives us more context and more understanding for some of the people in this uh, generation and people in this community and how they would speak about love. Because in the English language, we really only have love. That is, there might be more big, complicated boring. words. That, yeah, it's kind of boring <laughs> and also not very descriptive. So especially when translating the Bible, that's something that I think is important to keep in mind. Yes? Question. Yes, question. question. Does this have anything to do with the love languages that our world loves to talk about? Ooh, good question. I don't think that this has anything really... It, obviously, it could look different per different mm. people's love language, but I wouldn't say that this really has anything to do with that. I think this is more what types of love might be shown because they do look different. I don't know if any of you know, but... I am engaged to Haram. So I love Haram <gasps> wait, a little wait, bit differently. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> did I, oh, did I guys. Guys. picture her? <laughs> Just kidding. We all knew that. Meredith, what did you do? <laughs> oh, no. What can of worms did I mom. open? <laughs> no, but I, I love Haram a little bit differently than I love my mother or I love you guys. You, you know more. what I mean? <laughs> all right. All right. The world wants to know. <laughs> I don't I, 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 I feel stuck <laughs> I have the right to remain silent um, but no but I think that it's important to talk about because they do look different and a large portion of what is talked about in Christianity and would be the agape which is the love for everyone and it's referenced charity is referenced a lot in the bible especially in the KJV version, which I have a verse later that references charity a lot. And so, yeah, I think that that was an important place to start off. But going into my first verse that I wanted to talk about is Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I think this is important to introduce it into a place where we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's a common saying, you know, we are truly brothers and sisters in Christ and we were made to love each other. We were made to not be alone. We were made to have community. This type of love would probably be classified as philia, a brotherly love between friends. And this relationship is special because it says a brother is born for adversity. Christ brings us together so that we have people to go through life with. God taught us to have fellowship so that we can protect and support each other and have people to help each other. Another verse that kind of supports this is Ecclesiastes. This is a little bit longer, but it's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. 
Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Man. I really like that verse. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> it, it's a really How can one be warm alone? Right? It's it's so important to have people in your life and to help each other. That is why we are brothers and sisters is because we help each other. I don't know if any of you have ever gone through tough times. Not what this is about, but I'm sure you've had people that helped you through that. And I think that that's an important way that we should be treating our friends or our brothers and sisters who think like us. And I think that that's a good way to be a, a quote unquote good friend, <laughs> whatever that looks like, to be supportive in Christ, using Christ and being with Christ to uplift them and bring them back to back to the path that God needs them to be on. As a friend, whether you're a Christian or not, you rely on others if you're going through hard times, but we have the extra depth in our relationships, essentially an extra source of comfort in knowing that Christ is with us um, as our best friend and also that he has placed these people in our lives to comfort us as well. So yeah. That's a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah. So I think that that is so good and it's so important. Um, and kind of moving on to my next point, um, which is more geared towards what does it look like when you have friends that don't believe in God and that don't believe in Jesus? Because that's going to happen. You're going to have people in your life that don't believe. And it's important to know, like, how might I be a good friend to them? Because in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, charity, this is the verse that I referenced before talking about charity. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Um, and I think this is just ways to be kind to people. How does it look like to be a light we do need to be a light because we represent God. We represent Jesus. We are Christians. We are God's people. And it's important to have these fruits of the Spirit that we do and use them. Be kind, long-suffering. We need to just be this person that is just a light to other people. I did have a question, and I'm sure some of the listeners out there will also be thinking the same. Um, this particular passage in a lot of different versions will say love, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a very famous verse of love, but in this case, it uses charity. So from what I did some research before, charity in the KJV is just known for being a very high form of love, like one in which cannot be broken. So I just wanted to know if charity means something to you and or if it means something different or if you agree. Because it's it's strange to hear that in, instead of love, which is used very widely. Yeah, that is is quite a famous verse for having love in it. And I think I, I recognized it as having love in it even. Like I kind of said before, there's different the different forms in Greek and charity is often referred to like the agape love of loving all people. So I think that it's a good way referencing different translations. This is a good way of clarifying the word love. Uh, like I said before, the word love is love. That means so many different things in so many different contexts. So this just kind of gives it more con context for what kind of love we're showing. This verse, I, yeah, like I said, we're, we're a light to others and we're showing this charity agape love. We're showing kindness and we're avoiding feeling satisfied when others are going through pain, which it sounds so simple. You're like, yeah, I don't do that. I think we're all kind of guilty of that sometimes. There's always that feeling of satisfaction when kind of idea of karma just pops into your head. And I think that that's dangerous to think about because you're having this feeling of satisfaction when or when bad things happen to other people because they might quote unquote deserve it. No, we should be we should be mourning those things with them. We should be a shoulder for them. Like we need to be a good friend. Yeah, as another prominent example, as college students, we can find ourselves unconsciously, like consciously, we don't wish bad grades upon other people. 
but in effect, because of the stupid curve, that's <laughs> yeah. a huge part of the college system. If the more the other people do bad, the better our grade is as a result. And so uh, I, I, I've definitely I um, felt bad when my friends got better grades than me. And on the flip mm -hmm. side, I felt really good when I find myself way above the curve. It can lead to quite a toxic environment and toxic relationships with people. Right. I think that also leads us into, as Christians, we need to be strong and not, quote, easily provoked, as in the verse said, easily provoked. And that's important because if we just get offended really quickly and immediately take a defense, that can get really ugly really quick, which is part of the reason why this is so good, what we're doing here, because it allows people to open up and feel comfortable and be vulnerable without fearing of being easily provoked. We know how we treat others and like we know how we feel towards other people and we can be confident that other these other people feel like that for us. So it's very important to be strong as a Christian and be able to show this love to other people who might not think like you. And I think my last verse that I have to reference is in 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. This is a this is how I kind of wrap up this this area. And being this being said, we do need to be careful talking and being close friends with people who don't believe because you become people who you hang out with as a human. That is just what happens. It won't always happen, obviously, because I have plenty of friends that don't believe in God, and that's okay. I'm the light to God, and I, I am nice to them. I just think that that's something we need to keep our mind on while we are in these relationships. Thanks for sharing. Thank yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I get snaps. No very, claps. Very nice. Snaps. Oh, no um, claps. Just it snaps. was. It touched on a lot of important points. The the core belief as to how we're supposed to be friends in Christ. So does anybody have any questions for Meredith? Okay. Well, in that case, Caitlin, you are up. All right. So I am super stoked about this week's topic. Friendship is near and dear to my heart. It means so much to me, probably more than any type of relationship. Are we your friends? Uh, yeah, are yes, we friends? you guys are my Aww. friends, oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. yes. So naturally, in light of this super special topic, I thought it only appropriate to include an inspiring quote. I literally Googled inspiring quotes about friendship and found this <laughs> quote from a Brazilian lyricist and novelist. His name, if I'm pronouncing it right, is Paulo Coelho. Do you guys know Ooh. who that is? I not have not all. heard yeah, of him either. <laughs> really? Yeah. In Brazil? No. <laughs> okay. Well, these are his words. He said, friendship isn't a big thing. It's a million little things. Oh, wow. I thought this was true in the way that friends are the people we share life with. The million little things of everyday life are sweet with our friends because it's not a matter of what we do, but it's a matter of who we're with. And while I like this quote, I wouldn't say it perfectly embodies everything that friendship is. Is a friend merely someone to do things with or to have fun with? Is a friend merely someone with similar interests and opinions? I would say no, not in the kingdom of God at least. Before I became a born-again Christian, my friendships were fairly shallow. Friendship was a matter of self-interest and profit. How will this person benefit me? Are they someone I want to be seen with? Are they funny, attractive, or popular? Although I had many friends, I wouldn't say I knew what true friendship was until Jesus showed me a new way. I've learned that in the kingdom of God, friendship is the opposite of profit and self-interest. It's actually laying down our lives for our friends. Before Jesus went to the cross, this is what he told his disciples about friendship. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's John 15 verses 12 to 13. 
Friendship is a matter of sacrificial love. This is a kind of friend we should be as Christians. Laying down our lives for our friends can be applied in the big things as well as in the little things. In everyday life, it's showing them grace when they fall short. It's sharing our time and resources without expecting anything in return. It's listening to them and showing interest in their interests. Yeah, I think describing friendship as sacrificial love is so important because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice of dying on the cross for all of us and considers all his friends、um, because he died for all. And so I think it's really important that we emphasize、um, sacrifice in our relationships. And we can all use more sacrifice, whether we are very loving people、uh, or not. We can all build towards that ultimate goal of becoming more like Christ. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I would agree. I totally agree too.、Um, I agree. Wow, we all agree. Wow, we all agree. <laughs> no, but I think that's a wonderful way of putting it. And you mentioned grace too, like having grace for other people, especially non-believers, because they don't get a lot of that from other people. And giving them that grace, they're like, "Wow, that's really nice." And I think that、right. that's, a, that's a wonderful way to put it. Right. Yeah, especially right. like. The relationship between business people. I, I was just at the business building on my campus, like studying, and I couldn't just help like looking around. And there's plenty of friendly interactions, but in the business world, is it probably is possible <laughs> to have really a、uh, good relationship between your、probably、business partner? But、hard. like, what's the whole purpose of that? You first met them, right? It's it's for profit. So yeah, don't regard your friendships like that. True. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. Yes. <laughs> So, just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean that friendship is a formula or that it has to look the same for each person. We're all unique with different personalities, right? But the essence of what makes a good friend stays the same. What denotes a kingdom friendship is sacrificial love. Galatians five verse four says, "For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: you shall love your neighbor as yourself." If we are loving others as ourselves. We embody God's heart for friendship. As simple as that. Now, let me tell you a little bit about how God has authored my friendships. In this current season of life, I have found true friendship with people I wouldn't have chosen for myself. God has crossed my paths with people very different from me, and I thank Him for it because I've grown tremendously as a result. Woohoo! Like the timeless proverb says, "As iron sharpens iron." So one man sharpens another. The people in my life have shown me how to enjoy values totally different from mine, and they've shown me how to see the world from a different perspective. They've helped me come to a better understanding of God, and when we come to a better understanding of God, we come to a better understanding of the truth that sets us free. I think we deny ourselves great treasures if we choose to stay in our comfort zone and stick around with people who validate our views. God is in the business of bringing together unlikely people. Take a look at the disciples Jesus chose. He called a diverse group of men to follow him. It's especially a miracle that he brought together a political zealot and a tax collector. If you don't know a lot about Jewish history, zealots were passionately opposed to Roman rule, the oppressors of the Jews, whereas tax collectors worked for Rome. They were betrayers in the eyes of the Jewish people, and especially the zealots. Jesus brought together two opposing men for his purposes. This is what happens when our commonality is Jesus Christ Himself, our firm and lasting foundation. He reconciles people and bridges the gap. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Amen.、Yeah. Amen. L- Amen. <laughs> Literally, two of the disciples, the brothers, he he told them to cast out their nets, and immediately they did that according to the Bible. So、mm-hmm. they. Went out of their ultimate comfort zone. They were being sent straight into the unknown. Yet they followed Jesus because they knew he was he he was the ultimate. And ultimately, they became friends with him. So,、mm-hmm. yeah. One of the coolest things I think about that though is that they are adults, right?、Mm-hmm. So they are in a season of life that makes change very hard. Yet they completely just like switched off. And oh, like, that's really oh, true. Yeah, yeah, right. They're not right. they're not like us. Where it's somewhat easy to shape who they are, but at that point in their lives, it's like. They were set in their ways already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yep, they went to Jesus, and I was like, "Yeah, that's amazing." I think, I think that's amazing. a big part of why we look up to them so much as disciples of God, because they embodied just giving up your life for God.、Mm-hmm. They literally physically did that. 
they mm. dropped everything and followed Jesus. And mm. I think that that's just amazing and a great form of friendship in the Bible and a great a great model that we can follow after. Yeah. Another beautiful friendship displayed in the Bible is the story of Jonathan and David. They were an unlikely friendship. David was a lowly shepherd and anointed by God to become Israel's future king. Jonathan, on the other hand, was King Saul's son and presumably the next king of Israel. Jealousy or hatred could have easily marked their relationship, but instead, miraculously, the relationship was marked by sacrificial love. Jonathan especially showed love to David by helping and serving him even when it came at a great cost. It's recorded that Jonathan's soul was knit to David's and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. This is what a friendship looks like in the kingdom of God. I'll close by encouraging you all to befriend others who are wildly different from you. If you're a Republican, find a liberal friend or vice versa. If you hate pineapple on pizza, find someone who eats that up. I know it's uncomfortable. It is, but I'm telling you, I've got a it's couple of those pineapple. Pa- pa- pineapple friends. on pizza uh, isn't wow. a good example because there's only one answer. I just want to say that yeah. it's just bad. Oh, no, that's the people. Caitlin preached to him. <laughs> I, I shall not argue because that is the uh, the opposite of what we're accomplishing on this podcast. <laughs> pineapple is good on pizza. Yeah. So befriend people who are different from you and see it as something that's fun. It's fun to explore different ways of life. It's fun to pick someone's brain and figure out how they see the world. Instead of getting irritated with different opinions and values, let's take a posture of humility, honoring others above ourselves. Instead of jumping to rash conclusions, let's assume the best about people and seek to understand them. As Christians, let's be remembered as people who are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's go against the grain by showing the world what it looks like to honor one another, even those who are wildly different from us. Amen. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite verses. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Mm-hmm. Everyone can use But that's a good one. Crazy how applicable it is today, mm-hmm. isn't it? Where like right. every other second, I feel like there's some political argument going and it's always, this is right. This is the answer. Instead of exactly what Caitlin said, the whole slow to speak, right? Yeah. Quick to hear, mm-hmm. slow to speak. That's Yeah, and I you said it at the beginning. You said this is a super fun topic to talk about for you, and I can totally tell cuz you were just <laughs> beaming the entire time. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin, I this this thing that you just made, like this viewpoint that you did is like youth pastor level right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like retreat retreat speaker. <laughs> wow, I'm honored. It's a calling me. One hand in your pocket. <laughs> what did you say? One hand in your pocket, one hand when holding a Bible. Oh. That's right. <laughs> the whole like cool youth pastor yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any other questions for Caitlin? That was good. That I can very, think of. Uh, very, what's the word? Colorful. Very hmm. colorful and very colorful. eloquent. Oh, thank you guys. All right. If nobody has any other questions for Caitlin, let's have Ham present his viewpoint. Ah, yes. For what I want to share, I split it into two sections, actually. One dealing with how we should view friendships with fellow believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as non-believers. So in terms of our friendships with fellow believers, God gives us the ultimate gift of fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with those we go to church with. Me personally, I go to this church called Lakeview Covenant Church in Northbrook, which is a, which is one of the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and I've formed very great relationships with people in my church. Uh, I believe either Caitlin or Meredith mentioned earlier, I think it was Caitlin, how you can have very shallow relationships with people if they're not formed in Christ. And that was certainly the case for, honestly, the first two, three years of my college career. But then once I started getting more and more involved with Lakeview, I found myself forming these awesome, deep relationships with the people at my church, with especially the older people who I regard closely as my mentors. And I'll talk about mentorship as an important part of friendship with believers later. And then church friendship feels natural as it should be between brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is a really great gift that God has given to us, a great blessing. The first verse I want to introduce is John 15, chapter 15, verse 12. It says, this is my commandment, 
that you love one another as I have loved you. I think there are very few verses, instances in the New Testament where Jesus explicitly gives new commandments that add on to the commandments of the Old Testament. And this is one. So it's indicating that it's very important we keep this alongside the commandments of the Old Testament. And this is concerning the fact that we should love one another as Jesus loves us. Now, we will never be able to love others to the extent that Jesus loves us, but this is ultimately what we pursue alongside a lot of other things. And just as Jesus's love was unconditional, is unconditional, and will always be unconditional to us, so should we regard our friendships with our fellow believers and with just everyone in general. Really, we talked about sacrificial love earlier, and so this applies just generally as as, as, as we are Christians. And since this is a commandment, really, it's indicating that to obey God is to love one another. So we don't do it just to be nice as Christians to others, but because it brings us closer to God as well. So it's really a win-win situation. Not mm-hmm. that we're aiming to benefit from our, our, our from our friendships, but that's just automatically what happens if we're unconditionally loving our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and they love us back in that way. That's so powerful. Sorry, I just wanted to comment on how powerful that is, that yeah. that believing in God is showing kindness and being friends with one another and that's crazy because it just shows how wonderful god is yeah truly obeying god means a lot of things and ultimately a lot of those things involve other people and bring us closer to them so uh, if we are doing what we're supposed to as christians then we just naturally form these great relationships with other people yeah going on specifically talking about our friendships with with both believers another great uh, thing that it adds to our lives is accountability for this point, I wanted to bring up Galatians chapter 6, verse, verses 1 through 5. Also, I'm pulling these verses from the English Standard Version. Yeah, it's very, it's very similar in language, except for the part that KJV is Old English. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, starting with verse 1. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in him himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. One aspect of this verse I really wanted to emphasize is gentleness, which we really do emphasize um, on this podcast, is regarding each other with gentleness, not going straight towards the conclusive anger or um, simply trying to point out other people's faults. When we see these things that our fellow Christians might be doing wrong, according to the Bible, then it is our job to point that out and help them bring their relationship back and restore themselves to God. But we do it in gentleness. And so this verse is really showing us that our relationships and our friendships with our brothers and sisters in Christ is really mutually beneficial as it really encourages you as you are accountable of your friends at church that you may sh- make sure that you are spiritually upright as well. And ultimately in this world, when, it, when we boil it down, we Christians only really have each other. And therefore, one of the best things that we can do for each other is to keep each other accountable in our spiritual lives, um, growing together as faithful disciples and servants of God. I also wanted to point out that Throughout this podcast, we have constantly regarded each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. So that automatically makes us, honestly, the best of friends that we can be. Because what deeper relationship is there on this earth than between than between siblings, as Haram and I can attest to? Aww. Aww. <laughs> oh, brotherly love. Ouch. Love, love, love. And then lastly, the, the last point I have... Uh, that I wanted to share about our relationship with believers is the role of mentorship. And for this, I have yet another mm-hmm. kind of long passage from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And it says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. 
Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So this, I, I didn't even know this was President Titus. I don't, really, I don't read a lot of Titus. So from this, uh, I wanted to focus on mentorships, a very important kind of, of friendship, and especially as this verse is showing, or this passage is showing, with people of the same gender, I believe that we all have uh, mentors of the same gender or the opposite gender. But for me, I have found my greatest friendships and mentorships with my fellow brothers at church. Specifically, shout out to my small group mentor, Ivan. Over the past two years, I've been working with Ivan um, within my, because I'm a small group leader at Lakeview for college students. And we've been working together weekly to develop plans for the day and just, but then the main purpose that we have this mentor-mentee relationship is to really grow together in Christ. And I, I, I would say that my greatest spiritual growth has really come through Lakeview and through Ivan and my college pastor. Also, shout out to Pastor Joshua Lee. And really just uh, interacting with these, and not even all the conversations that we had regarding Christian topics, the Bible, and how to live as a Christian, but simply being with these individuals has really grown me. It goes, it goes to show how it's really important, as we mentioned earlier, the people that we surround ourselves with. Because earlier in college, I did not surround myself with the best people. And I found myself, one, wanting to be a lot more like them, which drew, drew me away from God. And also focusing on all these artificial things about appearance and whatnot, and trying to make my life a lot more fun. As, as, as you can say, uh, in terms of like worldly standards, all these things really brought me away from God. But then really having these wonderful friendships with my mentors at church, um, simply being around around them um, has positively grown me in many ways. Can I ask a question? <laughs> Do you find it easy to relate casually to mentors, um, even though they're technically an authoritative figure? like, Or is the context a little bit different? Yeah, so... If I may compare my relationships with, with my mentors to my relationship with my parents, who are my ultimate life mentors, you know, they've literally taught me how to walk and oh, stuff. Oh, you're throwing shade there, son? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually wasn't sure if I wanted to mention this, but now that you brought it up, I, I really do think I want to share that I view my parents as authoritative figures. Now, this differs according to how children have developed, have grown up with their parents. Um, some see them a lot more as their best friends. For me, I see them as more authoritative figures where I can go to for guidance and can confide in a lot of things. But with my mentors at church, especially my college pastor, like he he is, both my mentor and my college pastor are still in their 20s. Um, my college pastor is like 27 or 8 or something. And then Ivan is um, 23 or 4 or something. So not that much older than me, so that also plays a role. But then again, like I would meet people who are like a year older than me and they seem a lot more mature than me. So the biggest reason why I'm not quite as like nervous, I can feel a lot closer to my mentors at church, is we really emphasize that we're growing together as disciples of God. My college pastor, who's who got his MDiv, who, who knows a lot about Hebrew, ancient Greek, he's so knowledgeable literally the pastor, he's preaching to us every week. He emphasizes over and over again that he is no more closer to God than we are as Christians. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, just, just, just doing life, just asking all these questions without being afraid, always knowing that I can go to them whenever I have. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of my closest has really come with sharing really vulnerable things that I won't even, even share with my mom and dad. So it's like those mentors that you can relate to as a friend opened up that door uh, for that and they allow that kind of context yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah a lot of relatability That's... yeah i think that was much needed in my growth as a christian like before joining lakeview i didn't really feel a lot of fellowship but now i feel truly ingrained in a christ-centered community and that has really helped my walk with god and i'm sure my relationships with my mentors and my friends at church has helped them to grow more um, in Christ as well. So once once again, it's mutually beneficial, and it's all possible through the grace of God that He has given us this, these communities. And yeah, so since I've been talking for a while, but I do want to talk about 
what I have to share about our relationship with non-believers as well. Now, this may be a little more of a Debbie Donner. I will preface by saying that I think most of my friends are non-believers. Actually, no, that's a lie. Most of my friends are Christians to varying degrees of involvement in the church, but I do have non-believer friends that are actually hard for me to push away. The first verse I have, I'll just let the Bible speak for itself. Um, John chapter 15, verse 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now this, I honestly wouldn't say that this applies to my life right now because I don't publicly identify as a Christian. Um, in my lab that I work in, where I have friends obviously, and um, I've been working for so long, uh, if I said that I was a Christian, they'd probably be surprised. So what I really want to say is that it's really hard to differentiate ourselves from our non-believer friends. Uh, and peer pressure is real. We all may be pressured to do things that we shouldn't do as Christians to various extents. I definitely have been for and still even are now. But this differentiation is what should happen if you're living correctly as Christians. Number one, staying firm in and number two, defending God and our beliefs. So if I voiced all my Christian values to all my friends and defended them against the criticism that I would receive, I wouldn't have half my friends. And that is the reason why I'm afraid to push them away. But ultimately, as I prepared for this week's podcast, it made me realize that a great leap and a great show of my dedication and trust to God that he has a plan for me would be to push away these people who don't have the greatest influence on my life. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 also says, one who is righteous is a guide to their to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I do uh, want to bring up another important point that's very relevant in my life, that this goes for Christians as well, because I see in my communities how by doing wicked things together, Christians enable and even encourage one another to do sinful things and think that it's okay because you're with your good Christian friends. And I honestly think out of all the examples that I brought up, that this is the worst kind of friendship. That you're enabling each other, you're tricking each other into thinking that you can do this and it's fine. And ultimately, you're bringing each other um, away from God. Um, I mean, there, there's verses in the Bible about how you doing something that displeases God is one thing, but you influencing others to do the same is even worse. Uh, and I believe that's very true. Now, to end up on a more uh, positive note, I want to say that it's very important that we allow God to use us to reach out to those around us. And so that's another great purpose why we have um, these non-believer friends. And, and so there are those that I want to push away and then there are those that I want to reach into uh, and show the love of God to and hopefully have them change their minds about Christianity. Although this is one thing I also lack in a lot. I, I, I like a lot of things. We all like a lot of things. And I really struggle in this arena. But yeah, um, overall, when we openly state our Christian beliefs and are not afraid to voice our identity as Christians, um, there will be those who are open-minded and who God has chosen to give his grace to. Yeah. Well said, too. sir. Well yes. said. Yeah. Well said. I like that you bring vulnerability to the table. I was just going to say, yeah, thank you for being so vulnerable with us because there's so much that people can learn from everyone's stories. And so it's important that we share some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because Christianity commands us to be a <laughs> No emotion. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. Yeah, don't biblical. share your personal things in our lives. Gosh, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Vulnerability well, is a great aspect of true friendship in Christ as well. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. right. Right. Any questions for him? If not, I'm going to top our forum out with my viewpoint. So to start, I asked myself the question, what does it mean to be a friend? So for our purposes today, we're going to go with a textbook definition so that our listeners can start to understand how to apply this in their daily lives. According to Oxford Languages Dictionary, ooh, a friend is quote unquote, a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. Quote. So based on this, we can debate on and on and on and on about what a friend is, but just think of it as someone who you can be comfortable talking and hanging out with pretty regularly, time permitting. So in that case, what does it mean to be this friend as a Christian? And Meredith already prefaced this, but 
Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, gives me a basic understanding, which says a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born of adversity. And she couldn't have, I couldn't have said it any better than she did. And as friends, we're called to love one another, but a true friend is born when adversity strikes. I mean, when I had a very, very tough time and I was thinking really dark times when my best friend, Anthony, came into the picture. I mean, that's like, wow, that is not a friend. That's a brother. And then I'll go into what brother is. And in this verse, along with many others in the Bible, that says, quote, unquote, brother indicates both brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, family in Christ as well. So it's important to read the context of the the verse, right? Not just verse picking, obviously. I recently read an article from this woman named Rachel Prochnow or Prochnow, who actually, mind all of you, I thoroughly disagree with in matters of core faith, but can still find things from which to learn. And she wrote about 10 characteristics that a godly friend should have. And I couldn't have agreed more. One, is encouraging. Two, is a truth speaker. Three, says things in love. Four, prays for you. Five, is thoughtful. Six, is secure in identity. Seven, is loyal. Eight, forgives. Nine is a peacemaker and 10 brings out your best. And this screamed to me fruits of the Holy Spirit in a more modern tone. So being a friend doesn't necessarily mean that we must accept everything that our loved ones say, right? There are times when we must say things that are wildly uncomfortable, but true. And going even further, at times condemn the wrongdoings that may spread to others. I'm going to use Anthony as an example. Bless his heart. He's a great guy. We're very different in faith. There was a moment in time where he was just going through a lot of changes and at one point took on an extremely negative influence. And I, I told him again and again, this is, this is not what a Christian does. This is not what you were called to do. He chose to ignore it. And that was probably one of my toughest times in my entire life where I had to say, if you don't do this, we're going to have to take a break in our friendship. I'm going to have to spend time away from you. And until you fix this, I will be here for you. But please don't I, I, I really admire up. your uh, courage to bring that up. Also, I didn't know about this. It, but... it was really, really tough. Yeah. And it makes me wildly emotional whenever I think about it because he is an anchor in my life despite our mm -hmm. totally different faith journeys. I just, I remembered that he was one of, one of my first friends in high school. Mind you, we moved from New York City to Grand Rapids of all places. But we were called to spread the gospel. And that is our number one mission in our lives, is it not? We were mm -hmm. called to be the light and the salt. And that's just something that just tore my heart open, but said, this is what I have to do. This is what I was called to do. And I understand that yet again, we can debate on these points too with like, oh, what's, what are the characteristics of a godly friend? But uh, at the heart of it, being a friend as a Christian is to be able to fulfill one another using tools like the fruits of the Holy Spirit. All of our listeners out there, you can read more about that in Galatians chapter five. That's why it's hard to find many friends even amongst Christians because we all have different personalities and interests. So we do what we can and leave the rest to God. We can always be acquaintances with, with one another, which is why you know we're spreading the love here. We're not supposed to say, you shall go to hell. Thou shall be condemned, right? That's not what we do. We open ourselves up and sometimes we just have to lay the slam down without burning bridges. That's why I believe that through the inspiration of the gospel, being a friend in Christ is both inclusive and exclusive. And I just, I'll explain that into what it means. So a question I asked myself about this is, should we be friends with both believers and those without Christian faith? So another question that involves being a friend in Christ involves our relationship with those who don't have our faith. If I say that we shouldn't be friends with non-Christians, you would probably get defensive, wouldn't you? I would too, which is not the case. But it is quite difficult to be friends with those who don't have our faith. So with the Bible at the core of our lives, it's our responsibility to stick with it the best we can, like we discussed last week. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, and Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 in the KJV sounds really weird. But when you think about it a little harder, it makes sense when you read it. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. Should we be friends with our neighbors just because they're our neighbors? No. 
the righteous or our brothers and sisters in Christ have a role to fulfill to those who do not believe, which is to spread the gospel, to guide them into Christ. So our first mission is right is that one, to preach the gospel wherever, everywhere, as seen in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and in doing so, making friends along the way. We can be friends with those who don't believe in Christ because they can teach us a thing or two about life. I mean, heck, and they just taught me the other week about DeWalt drills. And I was like, oh, what? And we may have never thought of those things. However, we've been chosen for this mission as Christians. So it's not our only our responsibility to preach the gospel to them, but to be the light and the salt to them as well. Meaning that we should do our best to ignore whatever harmful influence that they may bring us away from Christ. In doing so, it's absolutely not wrong to be friends with non-Christians. I think, but it may sorry be to difficult. interject, but I think Ham said it a little bit earlier. I think he said it quite well. Like you have these relationships with believers and these relationships with non-believers, but these relationships with believers tend to be a lot more deep and a lot more brotherly and just very much a lot more intense with, and but they can get you through a lot more too. Yeah, it seems like there's a, a fine line almost with our relationships with unbelievers as well. Like you're yes. saying a little bit like of wanting to be a good influence, but also not wanting to be influenced by right. their lifestyles and how that we can be tempted. And so mm-hmm. just finding that is, you can only discern it like through the spirit. It's tough, isn't it? So on the other hand, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 is telling us the possibility of those who may be our friends and the general attitudes that we should have. A man that hath friends must shew himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Like I said, just because someone is a certain role in our lives does not obligate us to be friends with him. And we can still have a mutual relationship without inviting them into our deepest and closest lives, right? Like, I'm going to tell you my deepest, darkest secret, which helps us to protect our core identities as Christians. I mean, for example, which thank God this isn't true, if, as a matter of fact, Ham was not a believer, I think it would be very tough for me to call him a friend while his role cold, to me cold, is down brother. my back. I know, I know, and I went that far. <laughs> you know, in that case, if Ham was like that, then I would consider Anthony to be a closer friend to me simply because we have different faith, but he has a faith. The book of Proverbs in general is a great guide in showing us what kinds of friends we have, what what we should make and how we should go about friendship. I mean, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 to 25. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. I've been emphasizing this, but we cannot be friends with everyone. We can be open and we can talk and we can be as loving as we can, but we cannot be friends with everyone. The angry man in this passage is exactly what it is, angry. So as humans, we have a tendency to develop into those who we hang out with. I mean, it's kind of like a gummy bear. Like when you stick them together, they'll just start (laughs) melting in between. Meredith said that earlier, which, oh man, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Hence why it was so very important for us to be friends with those who follow Christ and can encourage one another. If I were to be a friend rather than an acquaintance or a guide to someone who was very bitter, angry, and resentful towards Christianity, it leads a wild risk that we can develop some of the characteristics that they present. Um, As I mentioned again, we're not supposed to turn them away and rebuke them. It is simply in our best interest to help them with just a little, you know, Bible distance in between, you know, use it as as you will. Our identities are just as important as the ones we must save and encourage. So just as a last tidbit, and this is something that I wasn't going to talk about, but I actually just was inspired based on the news of this week. I'm going to touch a little bit on Revelations. Oh, Whoa. Boy. <laughs> I know. Oh, really touchy topic there. Uh, does it matter that we are Christian friends in the end times? And according to the progression of how the Old Testament came to be and how the New Testament was written and Revelations was written along with the gospel of Revelations itself, I do believe that being Christians in the end times will be quite difficult. I mean, even in today's culture, you're you're a Christian and someone's like, ew, what? Christian? You mean that Jesus people? That Jesus freak? Heck yeah, I'm a Jesus freak. 
Yeah, absolutely. As social cultures become more progressive and the identity of a Christian seems to, you know, dwindle as to match the flow of time, I really think not only just about the book of Revelations as a whole, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 in particular. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such not good. turn away. Not good. Yes, basically bad, like three verses of everything <laughs> naughty. Everything bad. I mean, yeah. Naughty. <laughs> I'm really positive that everyone here today wants to spread the gospel to as many people as possible and make tons of friends along the way. And all of us here are not bad people and we don't actively try to make bad choices. However, as the world progresses as it is and as targeted as we will become, it will be very important to protect our identities, right? And as more and more people try to corner us, allowing Christians to find comfort and friendship in one another is oh so important. Like Ham said, in the end, if we lose everything, all we have is each other. No money of the world will be able to save us except our friendships and our relationships. As I emphasized before, we can be friends with all our people, but we must embrace the characteristics that come with being a Christian friend, which means that the differentiation of what a friend means becomes very narrow. One, one snap. Wow. Oh, you get one snap. <laughs> one snap. Yeah, let me tell you that Second Timothy chapter three, verse one through five. I was reading off like three verses of this, 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 and I was like, "Jeez, oh peace, man." I mean, I can find myself in some of it. So I was like, do I, am I not supposed to be a friend of myself? Ooh. But yeah, just yeah, the haram. paradox. That, you bring up a very good point, some good food for thought. And so I'm wondering, like, or what kind of advice would you give us and our audience um, about discerning whether or not we should invite someone into our lives um, to be friends? It's a good question. Like, like how do we discern uh, that? So that that's a really good question. Um, as a matter of fact, in my heart, I have my core group of friends, a core maybe like three or four people that I consider if the world ends, I will have them. And think about who your core friends are and invite this new person into the introduction of a friendship and think about it. Is this friend able to enter into my core group as well? What characteristics do they possess that match the ones mm, that my core mm. friends possess. Because like I said, you can't befriend everyone, right? But mm -hmm. you will find the people who really match with you and will stick with you no matter how much time Yes, passes. totally. Does that make sense? All right. So there were many great things being said. And now to help all of our listeners out there, we're going to have each one of us present a sentence that will summarize what we truly Just want to clarify, each one of you to get out of these sentences do not represent every single thing that we have said but are only there for you to get a gist of what we have said in case there was a lot to digest. Yeah, there's a lot of information that we said, but in the end, uh, we hope that you, the listeners, can walk away with at least a general understanding. Yeah, so, Meredith, so my sentence summary is, treat others the way that Christ treated others, and that is with kindness and mercy, while still being cautious of worldly influences. And my sentence summary is, in the kingdom of God, friendship is a matter of sacrificial love and laying down our lives for others, even those who are different from us. Friends, sharpen us as we mutually bring one another to a fuller understanding of God. To summarize my views, we should regard non-believers and believers differently, but approach both of them with the same godly love. And to top it off, as friends in Christ, we have been called to lift one another up and to bring those who do not believe into Christ through the love and grace that he has shown us. So thank you all for listening today. And to close this episode, we are going to end in prayer. Now, each week we'll be a different member. And for this week, I chose him to go ahead and present oh, a prayer for us all. Pressure! <laughs> Dear Lord, Let's pray. Uh, thank you for bringing Caitlin, Meredith, Haram, and I... Uh, into this space, Lord, the shared space to just talk about 
things that are truly important as Christians, Lord. And this week we talked about how, how we should regard friendships, Lord, and what kind of friends we should be as Christians, Lord. And many great things were said, Lord, from the verses in the Bible that you provide us to guide us on how we should develop, regard, and maintain our friendships, Lord. Um, and also, uh, how should we deal with problematic relationships in our lives? And what is the purpose of each relationship, whether with believers or non-believers, that you have placed in our lives, Lord? And I just thank you so much, Lord, that we are able to confide um, in these people, Lord, and to have fellowship with them, and to truly work towards becoming more like your son, Jesus Christ, to display more sacrificial love, to just do more things and to not regard these relationships in a profitable light, but to truly uh, display unconditional love to one another, Lord. And I just thank you so much all our brothers and sisters in christ here and in our own lives yeah we just thank you so much for this time we thank you so much for uh, giving us this opportunity to uh, proclaim your name and the gospel uh, to the world and to those who uh, may need it lord so we thank you and in your name we pray amen amen, amen. we hope that all of you enjoyed our discussion and for this week think about what kind of friend you should be to others as christians research Talk with others and remember to share the love. See you guys next week.